The Ark in the Darkness, Unearthing the Mysteries of Noah's Flood, comes to a theater near you on March 20th and 21st. What happened to the dinosaurs? Why did God send the flood? This film unveils compelling evidence in support of the Bible from a team of scientists from Answers in Genesis and Liberty University. The Ark in the Darkness reveals the truth about Noah's flood. This incredible film hits theaters on March 20th and 21st. Buy your tickets now at noahsflood.com. That's noahsflood.com. Access more. During today's conversation on Back Porch Theology, we're going to exhale into a green scriptural pastor that church father and ancient theologian John Calvin described as an anatomy of all parts of the soul, the Psalms. Every emotion in the human continuum is expressed somewhere in these 150 Psalms that were all originally composed as songs, S-O-N-G-S. These biblical lyrics record both the dancing and the weeping of God's people. As a matter of fact, they contain more bluesy kind of tunes than anything else, proving that our Savior doesn't require us to sanitize our emotions or cull out the dark ones before we approach Him. God's love for us is immutable. It does not change, regardless of our emotional changes, whether we're in an up or down emotional season. So please grab a cup of coffee in your Bible, unless you're driving or docking a boat, of course, and come hang out on the porch with us. Hey, 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 welcome to the back porch, y'all. Allie and I are so tickled that so many of you are choosing to hang out with us on the proverbial porch and have these just pretty honest, sometimes raw, really messy Mm -hmm. conversations about God. That's what theology means. In the basic essence, the word theology, which can sound really lofty and confusing, Mm -hmm. but at its core, theology comes from two root words, theos, which refers to God, and lagos, which refers to words, phrases, or conversations. And so what that fancy Greek word simply means is having real conversations about God. Mm -hmm. And so we've been doing that for a while now with this podcast that we're both so tickled to be a part of. And so anyway, thank you. Thank you for choosing to carve out the time to hang out with us and talk about God. Today, we are going to be diving into what is surely one of the most favorite books in the Bible. And I think the reason this Old Testament text is so beloved is because it reads more like a diary than a history book or a discourse in systematic theology. And because the entirety of this text was originally written and purposed as song lyrics Mm -hmm. in its most basic form, we could accurately describe this Old Testament book as God's iPod or Spotify list. Uh, We're going to start today's episode by talking about the lyrics of our own lives. So, Allie, I've got some song lyrics for you, if you're okay. okay. A couple of questions. Uh, Okay, when you think about the happiest chapter of your childhood, what song comes to mind? Two, hands down, Day by Day, Godspell, and Walk On By by Dionne Warwick. I I would sing both of those with my dad at the upright piano. I love that you're singing Dionne when you're a peanut. Okay, second question about songs, because we really want y'all to be thinking along. What are the lyrics of your lives? That's good. What songs go in these, kind of connect with these particular chapters of your lives, too? Allie, when you think about the deepest, darkest 
Valley, mm. you've endured, or maybe you and Jonathan have endured together, what song comes to mind? Okay, again, it'd have to be two. Okay. One is Come to Jesus by Mindy Smith, and mm. that would be the song that carried me during the three months mm-hmm. of my mother's pancreatic mm-hmm. cancer diagnosis and then mm. homegoing. It was, yeah. you know, devastatingly fast and brutal and quick, yeah. and that song, Come to Jesus, really, you know, sometimes we sing songs because we love them, but sometimes we sing songs because they hold us together. Yeah. That song yeah. held me together. And then one more, recently in the last season, is written by one of, and sung, by one of our favorite humans on the planet, Brooke Lightgertwood, right? Am I pronouncing uh, uh, it? Lidgertwood. Lidgertwood. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry, Brooke, because I always knew Brooke <laughs> Her as last Brooke name Fraser. is a toughie, but yeah. Scott is worth it. Yes. She um, was, her maiden name's Brooke Fraser, yes. and then she married Scott, Scotty, some yeah. um, Lidgertwood. Um, it's amazing. The song there is Crows and Locusts, and the lyrics say, it was the year the crows and the locusts came, the fields drank dry the rain, the fields are bleeding, what I love is the turn Brooke makes in her lyrics and the burn in her nose and the knowing in her guts, something's still going to grow. She ain't leaving till it grows. And so it's the most perhaps poignant picture of um, devastation and consolation that mm. I have ever heard in a pop song. I yeah. think she's a modern psalmist, don't you? I do too. Yeah. I, I mean, truly, yeah. I think I could find a Brooke Lidgertwood song for every, every single emotion I've ever yeah. experienced. She, Brooke— Goodness, every single time I yep. get to hear her sing or be with her, yep. she leads me closer to Jesus. Mm. Uh, okay, last question about songs. What song comes to mind when you think about all those long months of bed rest mm. that you're con- confined to when you're pregnant with Luki? I'm going to go with the one I listened to the most, which was Sean Colvin's Steady On. Yeah. And it is, the chorus just says, I'm going to keep my head on straight and keep walking. And so when oh, I was wow. in that three months of bed rest, it was about taking the mountain one step at a time and going yeah. steady on. Uh, I have to say, I love these questions. I could do this for the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I, know you love, I just you uh, love song. Yeah, I always used to joke as a kid, my best friend was a, a speaker. Music was my best friend oh, growing up, cool. and I would have that's said it cool. that way. But I have always deeply sensed this connection between music and emotion, as you've spoken to. Right. And so recently, it was so cool to me when I discovered this article online that kind of backs up what's going on. And I thought you might be interested in this. There's an article about the research that some MIT neuroscientists did, and it's written by Ann Trafton. And here's the quote. Check it out, Lisa. It says, for the first time, MIT neuroscientists have identified a neural population in the human auditory cortex that responds specifically to music, but not to speech or other environmental wow. sounds, wow. right? Mm. So no wonder a song can knock us straight back right. into an experience. It's it's because we have these musical neurons. I just right. found that so fascinating. And to that end, I want to ask you if there are some songs that knock you right back into a moment, okay? <laughs> um, let's go with what song typifies or takes you back to the very happiest season in your life? Could you talk about that for a um, sec? Childhood or adulthood? Let's do adulthood first. Okay, adulthood. You know, Allie, I have no idea what the name of this song is, but I can hear the tune in my head. Okay. When I first went to visit Missy, the very first time I met her, okay. um, April of 2012, and I flew to Haiti because Missy's mama had passed away a mm-hmm. few weeks before. There was no one to, yeah. to take care of her. And by the grace of God, I got written into her story. Mm-hmm. So I was meeting her for the first time, and you know, I didn't know what to yeah. bring, but I knew not to overwhelm her, just bring yeah. real simple things. 
And I found, I, I don't know if it was a Fisher Price. It was just this little plastic music. Kind of a toy? Yeah, a toy. A kit was for toddlers. You yeah. could carry it around. It had a handle. I can see it. And it just played these real simple. You had these big buttons, and it just mm. played these real simple tunes. And Missy fell in love mm. with that little, I think I got it at Walgreens or Walmart. You mm. know, she would carry it around and it made her laugh. Mm. And she had such a hard life. She was so sick. Mm-hmm. She was malnourished. Um, she had just lost her mama. She would carry that little plastic mm-hmm. blue music thing around. And there's this one song I, I can kind of remember. It was like, dun, 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 dun. Just had this, the rhythm. Yeah. this bass line. Yeah. And she would dance. She would dance Aww. and laugh. She loved it so much that I started bringing her other ones because, you know, it was Haiti and there were a lot of yeah. other kids and I thought it'll either get broken or she'll give it away. I would just keep bringing her that little, oh, maybe it was $10. Yeah. She this little blue plastic and it played just these real basic little beats. Mm. She loved it so much that it almost became the the tune that brought her from near death to, mm-hmm. I, I watched her unfold like a flower blooming out of cement. Do you know, I when I finally got to bring her home from Haiti, we left that behind at mm. the orphanage for for the other kids. Wow. But I bought two of them, even though she'd really outgrown it by them. I have two perfectly packaged in her hope chest because I one day it's um, just so precious to one me. One day, yeah. so that little tune. I mean, I could hear it. I'm yeah. telling you, today I would, I would just grin from ear to ear. The melody of grace, right, right in right, her life. Right. Okay, let's move to what about a song that held you together or takes you back to a difficult season in your yeah. life? Is there one? There is. Well, there's a couple. Um, the one that I go back to immediately is by an Australian worship leader and songwriter, not Brooke, but her name is Miriam Webster. And the song is Angel of the Lord. And about uh, 13 years ago now, I felt I just had a crash. I did. I did. I just really, really low season. And during that season, this song, and I can't, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like I was hearing on the radio. Somebody sent it to me and it remains to this day, one of my favorite songs that one of the lines are, surely the angel of the Lord is around me. I have no cause to fear. Mm. My God will not forsake me. I am my father's child. No enemy can touch me. I will not die but live to tell what he has done. Mm. And you know how sometimes those lyrics yeah. it, it reminds you of the truth. I remember right. I would I was a trail runner during that season. I ran yeah. a lot and usually by myself in the woods on these trails. And I remember I would just sing and mm-hmm. I, I don't have a good voice like yours. Nobody's going to ever ask me to sing in the choir. I can barely hold oh, do a wait. melody do unless hold somebody's on. singing yes. in my ear. Yeah. But, but I sing loud mm. when I'm by myself. Yeah. And I would be on these trails in Tennessee yeah. just bellowing, Mm -hmm. I am my father's child. No Mm -hmm. enemy can touch me. It's like as I sang it, Mm -hmm. my mouth reminded my heart of what to hang on to. Yes, yes. Why are you so downcast? Oh, my soul. Right, right. Remember, it's interesting to me that one is melody and one is lyrics. It it, it comes to your mind. And I think, don't you think that's a perfect picture of what we're talking about today? And I I can only imagine that some of our friends probably have songs from their own lives right now. Oh, sure. Coming back, taking them back. Sure. The songs that held them together or moved them forward. Lisa, I have to say that one of my very favorite books of yours is A Perfect Mess. It's a study of the Psalter or the Book of Psalms. And there is just a, a way that you encapsulate the Psalms I'd love to read from that book. And then I want you to riff on it, so to speak, okay? It says this, 
The 150 individual psalms that make up the book of Psalms, also referred to as the Psalter, were written over a time span of almost 1,000 years, from Moses' era, 1400 BC, until the southern Jews returned from captivity in Babylon around 500 BC. That means these poems were penned while God's people were wandering around in the desert, when they made their bittersweet return to Jerusalem only to find the land of milk and honey had become a mess, and every season in between. It's an understatement to say the historical landscape of these lyrics is diverse. Psalms is like a comprehensive musical anthology that covers everything from Rachmaninoff to rap. I <laughs> love the way your brain works. Oh, John Calvin says it best. You know, he says that the Psalms are an anatomy of all parts of the soul. Mm. Because the Psalter, and again, y'all, Psalter is just a fancy word for these 150 Psalms, all of which were originally written as songs, S-O-N-G-S. And it's kind of smack dab in the middle of your Bible. But he says it's an anatomy of all parts of the soul because every emotion in the human continuum is you can find it somewhere mm-hmm. in the Psalter. And I think it's my craving for authenticity, my craving yeah. for candor, is one of the main reasons I gravitate to the Psalms because they do read more like a journal than systematic theology. I love their, um, there's a Hebrew word, sits and leben, mm. and that means a real life. Okay. It's the real life setting in the Psalms that I love so much. They're kind of like country music songs, you know, because <laughs> they describe anything. They describe a couple in love or yeah. a woman celebrating the fact that she got her undies on sale at Walmart or on, some guy that. getting drunk because his marriage is on the rocks <laughs> or his hound dog got run over. I mean, these biblical lyrics, they cover what happens to regular folks. Mm. They aren't pithy or positive sentiments or sugar-coated. They are real life. There's some modern theologians. Trimper Longman is one of my favorite theologians Mm. who focuses on the Psalms. But Trimper Longman says that in a sense, all Psalms, all 150, are messianic because they all Mm. anticipate the Messiah. Love I that. love that. Now, there are actually formal categories, and formally, all Psalms aren't classified as Messianic, but I love that him saying just kind of big picture. Kind of a the broad over, brush. Yeah, the yeah. overarching yeah. umbrella of the Psalms is that they point to Jesus, to our need for Jesus, mm. and to the fact that he is indeed coming. Just stop and think for a minute. If a song was Messianic in the narrow sense, that means it wouldn't have had any application for people living in the Old Testament period. That's correct. Right? Yeah. And yet Paul makes it clear that every verse in the Bible is beneficial when he says in 2 Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So even though you may have a psalm that's not formally mm-hmm. classified as Messianic, the ultimate meaning and fulfillment of the ministry of Jesus Christ is that these Psalms were still redemptive. They still pointed to Jesus. The authors of Mm -hmm. the Psalms, a lot of people assume David wrote wrote every Psalm. He didn't. He wrote about half of them. But there are a lot of other lyricists Mm -hmm. of these S-O-N-G-S, this God's iPod in the middle of the Bible. David's son, Solomon, the Mm -hmm. third king of Israel, he wrote some Psalms. Asaph, Mm -hmm. who is one of David's favorite worship leaders, leaders, or at least one of his favorites, he wrote the sons of Korah, Mm -hmm. and that's a tribe of ancient worship leaders. Um, And I know you've got a ton of expertise about these ancient worship leaders. They wrote some Psalms. Moses wrote a Psalm, Mm -hmm. because remember, there's a huge time period when the Psalms were written, uh, some dude named Ethan wrote 
a psalm, and then several of the psalms are formally classified as orphan Orphan. psalms, which means we don't know uh, definitively who wrote it. Now, the genre, the classification of the psalms. Take us into that. I love this. And and, uh, theologians don't agree. There's lots of different ways of Lots of different ways to classify. It's almost like, you know how everybody now is into the Enneagram? Yeah. And they'll say, are you a two? Are you an eight? Yeah. But then you and I grew up in an era when you were defined more by the disc personality yes. profile or test. Even, uh, Myers-Briggs. Or even Myers-Briggs. Or even Myers-Briggs, absolutely. Yeah. And so there's lots of different ways to classify the Psalms. Yes. So I chose just a real basic okay. way to classify the Psalms. And this basic way of classifying the 150 Psalms, to put them kind of in a genre, right. is uh, many are classified as wisdom Psalms. Okay. Some are classified as penitential psalms, kind of I'm sorry yep. psalms. Yep. David's David's Psalm 51, 51 would fall under that category. Then there are royal or messianic Love psalms. That. There are psalms of thanksgiving, where the, you can tell the theme of the lyrics is gratitude. There are imprecatory psalms. Yes. Those usually read like, you know, one of those Taylor Swift. Oh, what a great songs. way to think when about that. When she's a, a little bit angry, kind of dissing yeah. an old yeah. boyfriend who yeah. did her wrong. Then there are the Psalms of Ascent yes. or Pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Those are the songs God's people sang mm-hmm. when they were hiking up that steep, literal mm-hmm. hill that led to Temple in Jerusalem. And then there are the blues tunes mm-hmm. of the Psalter, and we would formally classify those as the Psalms of lament. Mm. And so, you know, my favorite thing when you and I taught on the Psalms together is you actually came up with a song, kind of a modern song that went with each of these classifications. I think that will help people more than these. You want me to share that? Yeah, more than these kind of fancy seminary words. Tell them the songs. Well, and these these kind of function as, you know, a hook in a a song is the part you go back to over and over again. And so they kind of function, I think, like modern thematic hooks, and it broke it down uh, into to kind of a modern sense for me. So for wisdom, I thought of an old song that maybe some of our listeners and friends would know. It's to everything, turn, turn, turn. Oh, I remember that. By the birds. By the birds. Right? And the reason I chose that that for wisdom is because their lyrics are sort of straight up out of Ecclesiastes, right? right? A book of wisdom. Which is a wisdom book, Yeah, so that's how I, that's what came to my brain there. For the penitential or the I'm sorry songs, I I thought of sorry seems to be the hardest word sung by... Mm -hmm. Elton John. It's hard yes. to say, right? And we think yes. we talk often about how David in Psalm 51 pens his own sorry song right. for everyone to sing right. and see. So that's right. pretty incredible. Right. For royal or messianic, I thought of It's Good to Be King by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. <laughs> yes. It might be a little bit yes. of a deeper cut, but, yes. but it, it yeah. brings to mind that royal sense or, of- Wasn't there a song, Royal Royals by, by Lord? A, by Lord, yeah. a younger, yeah. Yeah. That's or a more the, recent yeah, song. Yeah, more recent. So you could think of that one. Thanksgiving, it's a song from about 10 years ago, I Just Want to Thank You. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's by Dido. Okay. Um, David would have to correct us. Does that sound right, David? I think that sounds right. Okay. And then the imprecatory, I kind of went where you went with all the Taylor Swift songs mm-hmm. where she she takes those those folks to task in right. her lyrics. Right. For ascent or pilgrimage where they're literally walking, I would walk 500 miles. Remember that? And <laughs> yeah, I would I walk do. 500 more by the I proclaimers. Do. I do. Hey, 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 Back Porchers, here at BPT for 2024. We're calling it the year of giving yourself away. 
And I want you to know about a woman who did just that. She changed the world by giving herself away. Her name is Francesca Cabrini. She was an Italian-born Roman Catholic missionary who used her super strong will and God's calling in her life to defy odds and build an empire of hope, hope that led her to eventually establishing schools and orphanages and hospitals, not only throughout the United States, but throughout the world, all of which was to support immigrants and marginalized communities, the, the least of these. I watched her movie, and y'all, it was such an inspiration to how we can all better give ourselves away. The film is called Cabrini, and it's now playing in theaters. Man, I'd strongly encourage you to go see this movie and bring a box of tissues. You can log on to angel.com forward slash Cabrini for info about when and where it's playing in your area. And of course, that link, angel.com forward slash Cabrini, that's also in today's show notes. And then for lament, which I know you're going to speak to, that more of the Psalms are classified lament than right. any other right. classification. More of the Psalms are when people were struggling. Struggling. Which for those of y'all who are sitting on the porch with us today yeah. in your proverbial rockers, if you're in a sad season, yeah. I mean, I've been in one yeah. for, for a couple of weeks yeah. because yeah. of some stuff in our family. If you're in a sad season, you're a season where you just do not feel like being perky mm-hmm. and raising your hands in church. You just feel like, I'm just— yeah. I just feel like I'm walking yeah. through wet cement. Yeah. This is kind of a slog. Yeah. Be encouraged. Yes. God does not demand that you sanitize you, those emotions or you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And that's proven by the fact that way more mm-hmm. of the Psalms in this anthology of 150 are sad. Psalms God's people lament. were honest yeah. going, I'm struggling. The most often asked question in biblical narrative is, how much longer, How God? long, O oh Lord? How long? How much longer do I have to walk through this? So be encouraged that there are a lot of blues tunes in mm-hmm. the Bible. One that really reminds me of Lament is the 70s tune, Eric Carmen's All By Myself. Oh, Remember my goodness, that? yes. He just yes, pours out the pain of loneliness, which goes along yes. right with what you're saying, that God invites us to bring all of us yeah. to the table. Okay, I want to start back at the tippy top of our classifications, if I okay. may. Okay. And I'd like to read Psalm 1, if I can. Oh, may I do yes, that? I and love, then I'd love Psalm 1. I'd love for you to unpack it, okay? Because sure. it starts sure. this altar. It's a wisdom psalm. And I'd love to just kind of hear uh, some of your insights. This is Psalm 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. That's Psalm 1, a wisdom psalm. To start us off. I love the beginning of the Psalter. I had two thoughts that immediately came to mind. One is the very first word of the Psalter is in Hebrew. It's translated into our English Bibles as blessed, but in Hebrew, it's Asher. Mm. And it means happy. 
One of the tribes. Yes. And you go, how wonderful that that God begins giving us wisdom by saying, you will be happy. Now, that's Mm. not the modern ha-ha, circumstantially based. That's usually the idea we have of happiness is it's a circumstantially based emotion. That's not the way Scripture describes happy. Mm. Happiness in Scripture is defined more as wholeness, fulfillment, security. But he's like, you will be content. Mm, I love that. If Lisa, you are stayed that. on me. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. You will is, be Asher. Is, I will yes, never forget Asher, that. Asher, yeah, Asher, yeah. Asher, happy yeah, I love that. is the one who who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight mm-hmm. is in the promises of God. My dad, I may have told this story once before. It's one of those, <laughs> those very colorful stories dad from my Harper. childhood. Yeah. Dad, every Harper, mini John Wayne. And I was like probably 13, 14 years old. And a young man had driven me home. I stayed with my dad on the weekends at a farm in Central Florida. And a young man that my dad did not approve of Mm. dropped me off. And my dad, after this young man dropped me off, my dad met me at the car, kind of gave this young man a stern look. And then he just led me by the hand over to a picnic table. Okay. And he told me to stand on the picnic table which I thought, this is just so odd. You know, my dad was-, was This reminds kinda, me of when he came into church and yes, put his hand- me yes, out of church. Yes, well, yes. you know, and he wasn't a, a man of great words. I think I a got great all action. of dad's extra words. Yeah, yeah, he was more of a kind of a monosyllabic, very, mm-hmm. uh, my dad was kind of an introvert, not, okay. not a big talker, but when he did speak, it was significant. So he, he walks me over this picnic table, tells me to stand up on it. And I thought, my dad has lost his marbles. And then he reaches up, and he said, Lisa, I want you to take my hand. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what in the mm-hmm. world is going on here? And then he just gave this little jerk, mm. which, of course, kind of pulled all my momentum forward. And I came flying off the table. Now, he caught me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't hurt at all. But what my dad said was, Lisa, he said, you will never be able to raise someone up mm. to your character. Mm. but they will always be able to pull you down to theirs. Preach, Dad Harper. What he was trying to say is Mm. if you choose to be with people who have lower morals, who are not walking in the ways of God, in other words, what the psalmist put it, is if you're hanging out with sinners or sitting in the seat of scoffers, nine times out of ten, they'll pull you down to their level. I didn't Mm. realize my dad was basically acting out Psalm 1. That's beautiful. But what he was saying is— You will not continue to walk clean if you hang out with this young man. Mm. What I didn't know was that the young man who had driven me home, he was a a bit older than me. He was a player. Mm -hmm. A year later, he got a girl pregnant. He Mm -hmm. just ended up walking a life that wasn't at all congruent Mm -hmm. with, with godliness or integrity. My dad since that, he had a lot more wisdom, of course, than I did at that age. I think my dad's dancing with Jesus right now. Mm-hmm. He still has infinitely more mm. wisdom than I do. But that's the beginning of the Psalter. It's, it's you will allow your happiness, your contentment to be hijacked 
if you walk in the path of sinners, if you don't have your life anchored Mm. to the promises and parameters of, of God's word. And then the psalmist goes on to say, he is like a tree. And he's speaking here, of course, of one who walks in the ways of God, a believer. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. What's mm. so interesting there, Allie, is remember the Psalms are set in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And so they're set in a very arid um, yeah. arid place. And the word there, planted from the Hebrew, really translates better transplanted mm. in verse 3. And you got to remember, quality lumber was a scarcity in Israel. Yeah. That's why when the, Solomon built the, the temple, they had, to, of Lebanon. Yeah. they had to float the big trees yeah. in because the main trees yeah. you see in Israel, even when we go back yeah. this March, yeah. they're acacia trees, broom yeah. trees. They're a little bit squatty and scrubby. Squatty, yeah. scrubby, yeah. or olive trees. Yeah. You're not going to cut their gnarled tree down yeah. because you're going to keep it for its fruit. That's much more valuable than its lumber. And so you don't have giant trees, as you mm. think of when he says a tree planted by streams of water. This is transplanted. And this arbor metaphor, it's an unmistakable reference to God's blessing. Mm. Only God could make a tree grow strong and tall in the sweltering heat and sandy soil of Israel. Only he could cultivate vegetation so perfectly that his leaves wouldn't wither in a drought. And so what this means for us, the application for us, is that whoever has been transplanted into God's garden, we're the ones who will prosper. Says, therefore, the wicked, verse 5, will Mm -hmm. not stand in the seat of judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked Mm. will perish. Mm. You know, Allie, even though that last verse of, of Psalm 1 sounds sober in modern culture, I've seen that but the way the wicked will perish. I've seen that played out recently. Mm, mm. You know, all three of my aunts and my my stepfather were all involved in public education, and two of my aunts were in administration. And one of them recently told me a story about having to expel a young man who was a senior in high school two weeks before high school graduation. Goodness. Because this young man, who was already set to start college in the fall, he chose to become a Vicodin vendor Mm. at the latter part of his senior year. And her school, my aunt's school, has a zero tolerance. Yeah. Policy for drugs. Yeah. So she didn't. She didn't have a choice. Yeah. She was. She didn't have an option. There is no lenience when it comes to drugs in this school. And when they found drugs in his locker and found out he had been peddling pills, he had mm. stolen out of his parents' medicine cabinet. Uh, this kid got expelled. And so when he should have been laughing with his buddies in his locker room, he was instead being handcuffed and hauled off to jail in front of his peers, in front of the the other seniors in their high school, when he should have been striding across the stage to get his diploma and and smile into his, you know, parents, you know, camera. And instead, he was ostracized and alone when he should have been listening to lectures in the college he had been accepted into as a babyface freshman. Instead, he's sitting in a cell because of very bad choices. This, you know, not even quite yet a man. This 18-year-old kid, in my opinion, was severely punished. Had to be based on their policy. He was effectively barred from the life he could have enjoyed. And so it is with the wicked. God does not play with sin. I know that's not trending in modern culture, but he is not some divine Santa caricature. Mm -hmm. 
Correct. God's serious yeah. about wickedness. And instead of being happy and content and in communion with our Creator, the way He designed us to be, if we choose to walk with the wicked, mm. if we choose to turn our backs mm. on the parameters God has given us for yes. life and, and godliness, we will not pass go. We will not collect $200. We will not get to graduate to glory with our That's classmates. Yeah. So the Sober. wicked will not mm-hmm. escape God's mm-hmm. punishment, the psalmist tells us. Sinners will not worship with God's people. Mm. You know, those sober proclamations actually remind me of a celebration. Okay. In Matthew 25, and I say a celebration, it's celebratory for half of the audience. It's sober for the other half who, like the wicked in Psalm 1, they don't get to experience contentment and and hope and glory. Mm. They are cut off. You see that repeated in Matthew 25 in a very famous sermon by our Savior Jesus. Would you read a few of those verses? I would be delighted. This is Matthew 25, and we'll pick up in verse 31. Mm -hmm. And it says this, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Yeah, I mean, it's celebratory, first part of of that passage in Matthew 25. But then you read the contrast because Mm -hmm. he says the exact opposite to the goats. And while the story, it portrays the the sheep as being the good group because they're Mm -hmm. more giving, you know, they they volunteer with prison fellowship and they cook meals for their, you know, neighbors who've just lost their job. They share soda with people who are cottonmouth, even strangers. (laughs) They're really only emulating their master because they've walked closely with Jesus. Mm. They've begun to mirror Mm. some of his mannerisms. It's not that they're inherently better than the goats, than the the wicked people. If you know anything about goats and sheep, I actually was talking to one of my veterinarian friends recently. I mean, they're both stinky, you know, hairy manure machines. (laughs) And my vet friend said, actually, goats are smarter than sheep, inherently smarter. The real reason that the sheep are elevated in this gospel imagery is their relationship with the shepherd. Mm. He's the reason sheep get to be on the right side. And just like those smelly farm animals in Matthew 25, Psalm 1 reminds us that our salvation, our happiness is tied to the shepherd. Without him, we would surely follow some delinquent gang of goats down the path of destruction. <laughs> right. But God's grace, God's God's grace through his word, mm-hmm. walk in the ways yes. that God has yes. set for us. That's what sets the path to hope and to happiness for messy people like us. We will be able to walk right only 
when we live our lives proximity. according yeah. to what God tells us to yeah. do. Yeah, it's all about proximity. Yeah. If you are not close yeah. to God, yeah. you're going to forfeit the happiness and the wholeness that He's designed us for. I'm sitting here thinking all that in a song. In a song. In a song. And it reminds yes. me, because I'm such a music yeah. freak, you know, People will take songs, and there will be whole websites devoted to breaking out the lyric and the melody and the right. bridge and the what hook. What were they really what trying were they to really say? Thinking, What's the story? Right. Who wrote it? How did it happen? Right. What key? Why does it modulate? Right. Why does it not? I think something similarly happens for us yeah. and has happened for us today as you took Psalm 1 and kind of did the same thing, all that in a psalm. And I think we're so excited about the psalms that we're yeah, going to continue next week, aren't we? We are. We're going to we continue are. on with the Psalter next week. And we're going to take a pit stop with one of the folks who certainly makes us hear the melodies yeah. of God more strongly. And that would be our beloved Dr. Howard for me and my prof. Okay, Dr. Howard, we are so Glad you're here. I always feel like we need you, but goodness gracious, there's a couple of questions we have about the Psalter that we don't just need you. We're pretty desperate yes, for, your, yes. for your insight. That's good We've, because I don't really want to be needed. I want to be enjoyed. <laughs> well, and that's we, what the gifting is all too. about. We need and too. enjoy yeah. you. Actually, if I could just use one word, I think it'd be we like you. Yeah. yeah. I just like being with you. I, you know what? I, you've helped me in ways I can't even enumerate, but one of the specific things you've helped me with regards to Scripture is you've helped me see community yes. over and over and over again. You're the one that you helped me see that almost all the imperatives where God tells us to do something, He okay. gives sets those imperatives in the context of community. Mm-hmm. You talk about all the verbs in Paul's theology, the the love one, one another, all yeah. the, the one another's. So you've taught me that. More importantly, you've modeled that. Mm. I love just hanging with you and Allie talking about Jesus Mm -hmm. and talking about our lives and talking about Mexican food or or eating Mexican food and talking about Jesus is the best. Anyway, thank you for that. One of the things the three of us share, I think, is we just like each other, but we Mm -hmm. just like people. We do. We do. We do. We do. Well, most people. Well, that's true. There's always a... There's always a bird. There's always an opportunity for spiritual growth. That's right. That's right. Um, We've been talking about, we just started in today's episode talking about the Psalms. Mm. And and we referred to it. I I thought I might get in trouble with you because I put the cookies on a real, real low shelf and talked about how all of the Psalms were originally written as songs, S O N G S. So we said this could kind of be like God's iPod or his Spotify list. But we talked about just basic classifications of the Psalms. You know, I know there's a lot of a lot of different ways to classify the Psalms, but the basic generic classification we gave Dr. Howard is wisdom psalms, penitential psalms, mm-hmm. the royal or messianic psalms, thanksgiving psalms, and precatory mm-hmm. psalms, psalms of ascent or pilgrimage, and then the psalms of lament. And we didn't talk about this on mic, but Allie and I talked about how in Hebrew, the book of Psalms is titled the Tehillim, is that how you pronounce it? To, Close enough. Tehillim in Hebrew, which means songs of praise. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about how, goodness, the imprecatory psalms, which seem like the mad outburst of mm-hmm. Scripture, how in the world can an imprecatory psalm be still considered mm-hmm. a song of praise? Will you help us with that? 
Sure. The uh, I'll do what I can. <laughs> Have you ever been working with somebody over a period of time and you finally sit back and said, I've tried to communicate 15 different ways mm-hmm. and you still don't get it, right? Right. Sometimes I feel that that's what God does with us. He's just shaking his head, looking at Jesus, sitting at his right hand, scratching his head going, are there any other ways we can communicate with these people? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. And so... I mean, isn't it legitimate when God expresses his wrath? There is a line mm-hmm. in the same right. for people that right. shake their fist at him, mm-hmm. right? Well, isn't that, isn't that appropriate for us to feel that way too mm. from time to time? Hmm. I mean, I'm not God, so I don't have right. sovereignty. Yes. Right. I, you know, I'm not omniscient. And sometimes my own frustration or anger comes out of sin. But I look at even Jesus getting angry with the the money changers in the yeah. temple. Right. And I it helps me to see that there is a righteous anger that mm-hmm. goes with something. Mm-hmm. I define it just real simply to help out is that a righteous anger is when I'm angry on behalf of you, Lisa. Right. A sinful anger is when I'm angry on behalf of me mm-hmm. for not getting my own okay. goals met. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the those Psalms where they're crying out, they're usually against people who are hurting David's people or right. whoever yeah. the people are in view. And, right. and they're angry about what mm-hmm. they're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Isn't, isn't they're that? angry about somebody else's suffering. Mm-hmm. Yes. Huh. And they're crying out for that. Right. So there's a sense in which, yeah, I mean, yeah. we should cry out on behalf of people that are being hurt. Mm-hmm. So the praise aspect helped me because you helped me for it and I couldn't remember it. Te is in Hebrew, it's just the article. And then helium comes from halal, mm-hmm. which means praise, right? Or close to that. These are just, they're songs. And, and it really is wonderful when you look at all the ways that God takes the, here's how I look at the Old Testament. God takes Leviticus, which he's teaching them how to be priests, how right. to become mm-hmm. priests. Right. It's not in all the laws. Mm-hmm. It's in the reason. I mean, there's a reason why he took them to Mount Sinai right. so that they're away from the nations so he could sit down for a year and mm-hmm. say, let me explain to you these things that are going to be very different. Mm-hmm. So your sacrifices are different. The yeah. way your priests operate are different. The way you consider clean and unclean is different. There's nothing mm-hmm. in the world that's going to right. help you understand right. this. So then what a great God because he finishes Leviticus and Numbers, he takes them, going to take them into the land, right? Right. Well, they're all going to scatter. They don't have mm-hmm. Bibles on their right. devices iPads, right. Right. to right. look them up, right. Right? right? right. And so how are they going to remember? So then he begins to introduce, okay, I'm going to plant priests with you all around the nation. I'm going to ask you to come together three times a year for these festivals so we can dance and laugh together. Right. I'm going to teach you psalms and poetry, mm. ways of thinking so you can dance your way there. So I picture that. And to deep mm-hmm. in community. You're right. Songs of right. ascent, singing, right. going mm-hmm. to the As temple, go. right. the yeah. songs of praise. They're on their way from their farms. God says, I'll protect your yeah. crops and flocks. You go as a group and have fun. I could just picture them Mm -hmm. walking. Three times a year. And they're singing these songs. Mm -hmm. But he's also teaching them theology. I mean, Psalm 51, He's David is giving them an inside glimpse into a broken heart, his own. You know, I'm I'm glad God hasn't asked me to do that. Although, honestly, I'm very honest with my church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I let them see inside Mm -hmm. of me. Mm -hmm. So these psalms— they're there to reinforce everything God has been teaching them mm-hmm. in different poetic, musical, right. lyrical ways right. to communicate it. John Calvin 
his description of the Psalms is one of my favorite. He describes them as an anatomy of all parts of the soul because every emotion in the human continuum is expressed in the in the Psalms, these 150 ancient worship songs. How would you describe the Psalms, the Psalter? Well, you can re- get to that by asking the question in reverse. Okay. When you ask people in, in whoever, what group you're in, so tell me what your favorite part of the Old Testament is. They don't usually go to Leviticus. Mm, right. Yeah. They right. don't usually go to the genocide text. They, go to the yeah. Psalms. they don't go to uh, yep. the kings. Mm-hmm. They almost always go to Psalms mm-hmm. or Proverbs. Mm-hmm. The wisdom, because that's so easy to mm-hmm. assimilate into our lives mm-hmm. and yeah. sing songs. Yeah. And I love hymns that or praise songs that are mm-hmm. uh, coming out of the. Mm-hmm. Psalms. They're mm-hmm. so accessible and they're so honest. They they're so honest, honest because we can connect with them. Right. Especially in our world today. Mm-hmm. It's hard for us to connect to a very ancient text like Leviticus. Yes. Right. Uh, but yet we can connect to this because mm-hmm. yeah. it reflects yeah. real life. Recently, I read a study that said that when we sing in community, that we're healthier. The brain actually mm-hmm. changes. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could remember where I, I read that, but I think this communal aspect of singing together, there is something, there's something even beneficial mm. to our very bodies when we take the Psalter and we sing together. Yeah, we do. And a good theology of worship entails us understanding what Christ has mm-hmm. done for us as mm-hmm. our high priest. Mm-hmm. And he offers up to the Father the perfect praise and worship, mm-hmm. which we will one day. Mm-hmm. And so what our worship is, is a response to what he has done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's alluded to yeah. all throughout the Psalms. Yeah. They didn't have the end of the story yeah. mm-hmm. like we do. Mm-hmm. So now we can legitimately raise our hands and yeah. say, Jesus is our high priest. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit, thank you for interceding. We ever get to a point, you look at the mess in the world. I, mm-hmm. Sometimes I say, God, I don't even know what to pray mm-hmm. for. There's so much or how to say it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. you do that on my behalf. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, goodness. Okay. We've we've got to get you to come back. I have we're we're out of time, but I have about 150,000 more questions. So so we will get him back soon, y'all. Thank you for hanging with us today. Back porch theology. We hope to get mm-hmm. to hang out with you next week on Backports Theology. We sure do appreciate you. I'm so glad, so grateful that you chose to hang out on the porch with us today. And I hope you learned something. But knowledge about God pales next to intimacy with Jesus. So I hope you spend a whole lot more time lingering in His presence, leaning into His embrace, and listening to the lyrics of delight God promises to sing over us in Zephaniah than you do listening to podcasts. That being said, I'll be so tickled if you choose to join us again next week for Back Porch Theology. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Do you have questions about Noah's Flood? If so, you don't want to miss The Ark in the Darkness in theaters near you on March 20th and 21st. If you're interested in delving deeper into the mysteries and questions surrounding Noah's flood, The Ark in the Darkness will provide thought-provoking insights from a team of scientists with answers from Answers in Genesis and Liberty University. The Ark in the Darkness reveals the truth about Noah's flood. The incredible film hits theaters on March 20th and 21st. Buy tickets now at noahsflood.com. That's noahsflood.com.